We're in chapter 9. Now, let me just kind of remind you a little bit of how things flow here. Remember I told you the book of Proverbs is not just one book of Proverbs. It's actually a book of different compilation of Proverbs. So chapters 1 to 9 specifically were written by Solomon. And we've seen that, and so we're going to finish that up today. Then next week we're going to get into... All the way up to chapter 15, we're going to spend several weeks there looking at the Proverbs of Solomon. These are individual Proverbs. Individual Proverbs. And then from there on, we're going to look at some other Proverbs of Solomon that were compiled by other people, and then other Proverbs in general, all the way through the end of, of the uh, book of Proverbs. So we're about a third of the way through our study. A little less than a third of the way through our study. Because we're going to be basically in this book until about June. Until about June. So today, we're going to look at wisdom contrasted with foolishness. Solomon is going to finish out this section by contrasting the two, by contrasting wisdom with foolishness. And so he's going to give us some pretty detailed descriptions here of people and how they respond to wisdom. So let's look, first of all, at verses 1 to 6, and we're going to see wisdom's invitation. Wisdom has built a house. She has hewed out seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. For As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. Okay, so again, he's going to describe wisdom here. Now, first of all, how does he describe wisdom? Is what kind? Of, how does he personify wisdom here? A woman, okay? So understand, wisdom is personified as a woman here. And I want you to notice now the invitation of wisdom, and we're going to see several things about it. First of all, the place. The place we see here is, is that wisdom prepared a home that is spacious and perfect. Wisdom prepared a home that is spacious and perfect. Now you say, how do you, what do you mean by perfect? Notice, she has built a house, verse 1, and she has hewed out seven pillars. Now seven is a number of perfection in the scripture. So she has a home that's perfect. She's built a home that's perfect. So that's describing her, her place Then she's prepared a meal. Now notice the meal. Wisdom prepares a bountiful meal of good teaching. Wisdom prepares a bountiful meal of good teaching. Then, notice now number three, we're going to look at her servants and the commission of her servants. And then we're going to stop here for a moment because I think there's a good point here to be made. Wisdom sends out her maids to invite the simple to come and feast. Wisdom sends out her maids to invite the simple to come and feast. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Who can tell me again a definition of the simple? Who are the simple? Uh, no, you're close, Tom. That's a fool. A fool is an unbeliever. Immature. An immature, Bruce said, an immature person. 
Okay, anybody want to add to that, or is that you think that pretty much just kind of sums it up right there? Everybody agree with what Bruce is saying? All right, now, wisdom sends out her maids to call to the simple to come and do what? Come and feast. Feast on what? Wisdom. To come and gain understanding. So the, so the servants of wisdom have a duty here now to call those who are simple to come and gain understanding. Now, doesn't that sound very familiar to some of you? Because you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are servants of what? True wisdom. True wisdom. Who's the true wisdom? God. And we are called to go out and invite them to come what? Feast. To come and gain understanding. Of who? Who? God, yes. But in particular, who? Jesus, yes. Come and gain understanding of Jesus. The parallel illustration is you and I having a responsibility to call the simple, to call the simple, those who don't understand, to come and feast. To come and gain understanding. To come and gain understanding. So notice now the invitation. Here's the invitation. All that are simple and lack judgment are called to come. All that are simple and lack judgment are called to come. So again, that immature person, that person who isn't growing, who hasn't matured yet, who hasn't experienced life, they're called to come, come and feast, come and gain wisdom. Come and gain wisdom. Now, then notice verses 5 and 6, the call. They are called to leave their naive ways and walk in understanding. They are called to leave their naive ways and walk in understanding. Isn't that the gospel's call, too? When the gospel is presented, we're called to leave our what? Sinful worldly ways and begin to live in what? Understanding. Do you guys recognize that? The gospel's call... See, here's the thing. You can't do anything for salvation. Everybody understand that. Let's just stop for a moment. Everybody understand you can't do anything for salvation. No amount of good works will gain you salvation. Everybody understand that? Now, but when you come to Christ in salvation, part of coming to Christ in salvation, I want you to understand, is not just simply believing that He died for you. It's acknowledging that He is true and that you're going to follow Him from here on out. And that His ways are the way. So when you embrace Him in your life, you are saying, I'm going to live the way you want me to live, Jesus. You're my Lord. I'm no longer going to walk in naive, worldly ways. I'm going to walk in the way of understanding. I'm going to walk with you. Does everybody understand that? Because we don't communicate that sometimes. We don't communicate that sometimes. But when I embrace Christ, I'm now called to live the life that He wants me to what? Live. I'm now called to live the life that He wants me to live. Which maybe means that I need to give up some things. See, here's the thing. If you're not willing to give up things for Jesus in your life, that maybe reflects where you are spiritually. Does everybody understand that? 
If you're not willing to give up stuff in your life, and you're still holding on to stuff, maybe you got saved 20 years ago, and you're still holding on to stuff from 20 years ago, and you're not willing to give it up to Him, you've got to ask yourself some serious questions. You've got to ask yourself some serious questions. You say, what are you talking about, George? Here's what I'm talking about. Wisdom calls us to leave naive ways and go to a way of understanding. That's the same call as the Gospel. The Gospel calls us to leave the worldly ways and to embrace Christ. To follow Him. To turn from our ways. That's what repentance is. So, for instance, I've met people and they'll say, oh, yeah, I got, I got saved uh, oh, I was, Yeah, I got saved when I was a child. I professed a faith. Okay, wonderful. But they still live, have the same attitudes, have the same actions, have the same everything as a person who's not saved. The only difference is, is that they think they're okay because they prayed a prayer as a child. Can I ask you a question? Is that person saved? Probably not. Anybody else? That's a hard question, isn't it? Because here's the thing. Chances are no. Now, some of you may not like to hear that, but I'm sorry. You need to. Because if people are not giving their life to Christ... See, when, see here's the thing. We, we have, this is what we've done. We've made it into an insurance policy. Let's say this is the insurance policy. I know normally they're big and they've got lots of fine print. But let's say this is, the, this is the insurance policy of salvation. And, you know, Bruce is a young guy. His mom and dad lead him into prayer. And so now Bruce, he has this insurance policy right here in his pocket. And he, he knows it's right there that I'm going to heaven because I got it right here. So he's got his insurance policy right there. And so now he thinks, well, you know, heaven thing is taken care of. I've got, oh, one part of it is blanket forgiveness. You've heard of blanket policies? Blanket forgiveness. I can just go and do what I want to do. And so they just live like they, and they don't, you know what, if they don't want to go to church, they don't have to go to church. If they don't, if they don't want to read the Bible, they don't have to read their Bible. But if you talk to them, and you, we've worked with people like this, you say to them, well, are you a Christian? Oh, yes. I trusted Jesus when I was five. Or 18. Or 25. I prayed with Billy Graham on the TV. But yet there's no change in their life. No change. I'll tell you right now. Chances are they're not saved. And you know what? Can I be honest with you? That's why Paul says to this is what Paul says to people like that in Ephesians: Let no one deceive you. He says to them that those who practice and he goes through a whole list of lawless deeds will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that's not wisdom. Wisdom changes your life. You've got to leave your naive ways, leave the worldly ways. But can I be honest with you? I am so grieved, mildly irritated, but mostly grieved. You you guys don't understand. It just pains me, hurts me beyond belief to deal with people, to see people, to interact with people who want to just do what everybody else is doing. 
and then say they're a Christian. It's like, well, you know, that's your truth, George. I'm forgiven. Really? It will be a scary day, thing one day to wake up and find yourself in hell. See, wisdom calls and says, leave the naive ways and embrace understanding. That's what the call is. Listen, let's, let's just stop for a moment just so we understand that when we talk about God's ways, we are talking about the ways of understanding. First of all, who is God? Creator of the universe. Does he know everything? Has he set everything in motion? What else do we know about God? God is, this is what the world will say, God is love. So, he expresses perfect love to you and I. Is that not true? He's concerned for us. He cares for us. Is that not true? So, when he gives us his word... He knows everything. He expresses perfect love to us. So when he tells us to stay away and not partake or not do certain things, is he being a cosmic killjoy? No. Is he trying to rob you of a good time? Protect us because he loves us. Because he knows everything. He knows that if you engage in that activity... You're going to hurt yourself. So it is the way of understanding, isn't it? It is the way of understanding. You know what? You don't have to do that thing to understand it. You just need to read the Word of God. It tells you. It tells you. It tells you the pain. It tells you the hurt. It tells you the grief. It tells you. So, he's, if the invitation is to the simple, now I know I want you to notice something. There's someone who is not invited here to come and partake. Who's not invited? The fool. The harsh unbeliever. But the simple, the seeking, are called. Then I want you to notice what the responses are. There's two responses to the invitation. Look with me at 7 through 12 now. Verses 7 through 12. Here's the responses. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. So let's look here. We've got two responses. First of all, we got the scoffer. First of all, here's, here. this is what the Bible describes somebody who you cannot teach. He's unteachable. The scoffer is unteachable. You ever try to talk to somebody and they just are like, they already know everything? They're just unteachable? In fact, the minute you start to say something, they finish it for you. You ever had a conversation like that? Bruce, two plus two is... Yes, you know, all right. That's exactly right. Seventeen. They're wrong. But they're emphatic that it's seventeen when it should be what? Four. See, that's a scoffer. A scoffer is unteachable. You can't teach them anything. They already know everything. 
They already know everything. They're not teachable. You got a look of pain on your face there, Gene. That's the whole rest of the book of Proverbs. Okay. There are individual Proverbs that will tell you how to deal with a person like a scoffer. And basically, a lot of it has to do is don't even try. Don't try teaching them. You just got to bear with them. That is hard because the fact of the matter is the scoffer is unteachable. You can't teach a scoffer. You guys have met folks like that, haven't we? You can't teach them. They have already made up their mind to stay in ignorance. They are wise in ignorance. They are ignorant fools. In fact, the Bible calls them that. Is that not true how they're called? Fools. Fools. And so, here's the thing. Scoffers respond to teaching with verbal abuse. So, they'll beat, browbeat you. If you try to tell them anything, they'll bully you. They'll beat you up verbally. Well, who are you? Just going on and on and on and just beat you down until you just give up. You give up because you can't teach them anything. And so they just make sure you can't teach them anything so they beat you up. So how many times does it take for you to be verbally abused for you to quit talking to somebody? How many? Hopefully once or twice. But if you're taking it consistently, we need to talk to you. You need to listen to Proverbs because you're not going to teach them. Some of you are saying, well, they're people I love. I understand, but if they, then you've got to pray that God opens their eyes because your words are just falling. In fact, remember the scripture. Remember the gospels where it says about casting your pearls before the what? Swine. You're casting the pearl of wisdom to them and they're just tramping on it. They're just tramping on it. In fact, here, in fact, you want to know how we're supposed to act to these people? Gene, you asked that question. Here's the next one. We are called not to rebuke such a person. Don't even waste your time. We're called not to rebuke such a person. Look at what verse 8 says. Do not correct a scoffer. Now, In fact, he doesn't just tell you what to do. He tells you why. Look at the last part of that verse. What does it say? Do not correct the scoffer. What? Yeah, lest he hates you. It's bad enough you got to pick, put up with his arrogance and his unteachableness. If you try to correct him, then you become an object of his what? Wrath. You see the you see the point. And what's why? Why do you think Solomon's saying that? Why do you think he's saying that we shouldn't try and go around and rebuke and teach these people something? These scoffers. Because look, here's the thing. You know, here's the thing. The reason why he's telling you not to do that, he's telling you not to rebuke such a person lest he hate you, is like there's no use. If anything, it's bad enough you've got to listen to him, but it'll be even worse for him to direct his attention to you. So, And it's not going to change anything. So don't have him direct his attention to you. Yeah, it'll wear you out. That's exactly right, Betty. It'll just wear you out. In fact, some people would even say... Like, for instance, when I was at Liberty University, and I worked in the youth ministry area there, I used to take a group of college students to the Clearwater Beach area during spring break to do beach evangelism. And we would do, I would do three weeks of training on, like, a Wednesday night before we would go. And one of the things I would always tell them is, don't get into arguments. 
Don't get into arguments with people about God. You're just wasting your time. Always, somebody would not, especially it would be some theologian student or some philosophy student, he wants to argue with people. And I would say, that's not our purpose. Our purpose isn't there to argue apologetics on the beach. Our purpose is simply just to present the gospel to as many people as possible, college students. And the reason why is, is if you talk to one scoffer, and you're only on the beach for five, you know, three to four or five hours, you talk to one scoffer, what's he going to do with your time? He's going to eat your whole time up while you're there. You're going to be sitting there, and, and, and by the end of the day, have you changed his heart any? Now, in fact, he's like what Betty said, wore you out. And there was the opportunity for you to share with many, many more. See, Solomon's wise, isn't he? Solomon is wise. He said, now, what do we do for a guy like a scoffer? I think you pray for him. I think you pray for a gal like a scoffer or a guy who's a scoffer because I'll be honest with you, only God can change their heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you can waste your time. And so we're called not to rebuke such a person. This is a person who's unteachable. You can't tell them anything. In fact, they'll tell you. And this is, can I be honest with you? Hey, can I, here, this just dawned on me and this is a great thought that just occurred to my my little brain in my big head, okay? This is the guy or the gal that keeps you from sharing the gospel. See, you've shared the gospel before, but it was to a scoffer, and he just ate you or she just ate you alive. And she took your words and twisted it to the point that you don't even know anymore what you were saying, or well, maybe I'm wrong, and you know, and you just got so defeated by that, you just decided... I'm going to give up from sharing the gospel again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See some people? Yeah? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? Don't waste your time. You're to invite the simple. Do you understand? You're to invite the simple. So here, here can I give you, if you see a guy walking down, I'm a, I'm a flaming atheist on his shirt. Don't even bother. Turn your attention to somebody else. Because hey, I'm going to tell you something. In our community here, we've got 2,600 here in Kerwinsville, another 6,800 in, in Clearfield, and, of course, in between in the, in the township areas. There are a lot of people who are searching for God that don't know where to find Him. There's a lot of people that used to go to church that don't anymore because they gave up. Quit worrying about the scoffer. Turn your attention to the one that really needs it. Do you know what I mean? You pray for the scoffer. I'm not saying you don't pray for him. You pray for the scoffer. But there are many, many more who need Jesus. Who need Jesus. And so that's the scoffer. Now notice the wise man. Now here's the response of the wise man. May we all be wise men and women here, right? Okay, listen to the response of the wise man. The wise man will love the one who corrects him. The wise men will love the one who corrects him. Now, isn't that almost sound kind of weird? That you would love the one who would correct you? Hey, for instance, how did you respond to your parents when they rebuked you? Or, or 
took you to the woodshed. Yeah, see, the wise person loves the one who corrects him. Loves the one who corrects him. And then notice something here. Being teach, being teachable, one becomes wiser. Look, you want to be wise? You want to be a know-it-all? You want to, you want to, you, you want to be wise? Be teachable. Here's the thing. Can I be honest with you? I know a lot because of my training, but I don't know a lot. Did you hear what I said? I know a lot because of my training, but I don't know a lot. And so, there are things that you have experienced, that you have gone through, that you teach me about. Do you know that? Do you know I, t- I learn from you guys? I may not say that all the time. I'll say it right now. I learn from you. You learn from me. So, for instance, I am getting ready to go into the teenage years. Am I an expert on teenage years? <laughs> yeah, and I've got four, so it's going to be a long learning experience, right? Okay? Yeah. Do you, do you see my point? Do you, do you understand? No one has arrived, have they? Has anybody arrived here? If you have, please don't tell us, because we'll just look at you. Do you understand? No one's arrived here. Nobody knows everything. Being teachable, one becomes wiser. You've got to be teachable. You've got to be open. A wise person is teachable. A wise person recognizes they don't know everything. Does a scoffer recognize that? Scoffer thinks what? They know it all. And they'll tell you it all, won't they? They'll even tell you when you don't want to be told. Wise person isn't. Wise person isn't. Okay, let's go on. Here's the theme restated. Here's the theme. We're at the end of this section, and he's going to restate the theme. And the theme is this. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of all understanding and wisdom. You want to really be wise? You want to really have understanding? Then, fear God. Fear Him. What do you mean by fear, George? I'm not just talking about a reverence, but a fear. Because, I mean, you're talking about the one who holds the keys to hell. Do you understand? We're talking about somebody who's awesome. Who's awesome. So fear him. And here's the benefit. Those who heed wisdom will have a long and productive life. You know what? You heed wisdom and you'll have a long and productive life. I'm just reminded of that here in the last few days. You know what? If you abuse your body, because all you're doing is seeking after the naive understanding of the world, you're going to die. You know, we see that. Can I be honest with you? I'll just be brutally honest with you. Forgive me for being brutally honest. That is being played out here in this county so much every day. Rob just worked at a place this week where he sees it come in there every day. Young people who have gotten themselves hooked on drugs. 
And they're destroying themselves. And you know what? Can I be honest with you? If you ever talk to any of them, and I have, a lot of their friends end up dying. They die in their 20s. They don't live to see 30. They don't live to see 30. They die. Because they don't want to listen to what? Wisdom. They don't want to listen to wisdom. So they destroy their bodies. They destroy their bodies. You know what? And you know that's the extreme, the drug addict. But then there's the guy who's maybe addicted to cheeseburgers, like me. You know, or somebody else. You need to listen to wisdom, because if you listen to wisdom, you'll what? Live longer. Because if you don't, you'll take away from your life. Okay, here's the consequence. Those who heed wisdom will be rewarded. If you heed wisdom, you'll be rewarded. Here we go. Here's the next one. Those who heed wisdom will be rewarded. The next one is those who mock wisdom will suffer. If you mock wisdom, you will suffer. We already talked about that. Okay, so let's look at the invitation of folly now. Notice now with me verse 13 through 15. Actually, let's look at verses 13 through 18. Then we'll finish up. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on the seat by the highest places of the city and calls to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that death is there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Okay, so now we've seen wisdom as a woman. Solomon's now going to personify folly as a woman, foolishness as a woman. So let's notice something. First of all, her character. Here's her character. Folly is loud, undisciplined, and morally arrogant. Folly is loud, undisciplined, and morally arrogant. Undisciplined, loud, and morally arrogant. Now, I want you to notice something here. Verse 14 talks about folly and its position in the city. So, let's say talk about folly and its position in the culture, its position in society. And notice what it says here. Folly is prominent in the city. Folly is prominent in the city. Isn't that true? Isn't that what you see on the TV all the time? Isn't it? Folly, foolishness, which is... We've already talked about what folly is. Loud, undisciplined, morally arrogant. It's prominent in our cities, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, the more foolish it is, the bigger the banner we give it. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Think about this, man. I remember as a little kid, every Sunday night, you know, Disney Channel would come on, 7 o'clock. You guys remember that? You guys are all old enough for Disney to come on at 7 o'clock. Because there was nothing else on for kids, you know. 7 o'clock Disney came on. And I remember the Disney shows that would come on, and you'd always see, you know, always somehow they had to stick a Boy Scout in there taking some old lady across the street. Do you remember that? Because back then, being a Boy Scout was equated with doing the right thing, was it not? Fast forward now 30-some years. Being a Boy Scout is almost anathema now. 
we're voting them out of using our public facilities. Why? Because folly has a prominent place in the city. Prominent place in the city. Isn't that, isn't that outrageous? Here, listen to this now. Here's her prey. Folly calls out to those who are leading upright lives. Folly's not, Folly's not going to waste her time with the foolish because she already knows she has them. They're already foolish. But she's going to cry out to you and I who are leading upright lives and say, Oh, come in here. Don't hesitate. Come on in here. You got to if you just partake a little bit, you'll understand what you've been missing out on. Isn't that what it says? Look at what you've been missing out on. Isn't that what your friends will say? Oh, you're missing out. So folly's prey are those who are who are leading upright lives. Then here's the invitation. Folly competes with wisdom for the simple that lack judgment. So. It's not just wisdom crying out to the simple. It's who? Folly. Foolishness. And then notice something here. Here's what folly appeals to. Folly appeals to her guests' baser desires for sex and clandestine activity. You say, where would you get sex from? Notice what it says there. It says there that stolen water is sweet. Remember? He talked about drinking drinking water from your own cistern. That was within the whole discussion of the adultery issue. What it's saying here is, is that folly, foolishness, is going to appeal to your base desires for what? Sex and clandestine. That's under the cover sneaky stuff. And isn't that what's going on around you? Just turn on your TV. Look at the billboards. You know what sells beer today? It isn't football players around at a, at a Miller commercial, you know, at a, at a, you know, talking to each other. It's what? Walk, just read the billboards. From here, Kermansville Highway. Just cruise, cruise down Kermansville Highway going to Clearfield. You'll see some beer commercials. What's on them? Women. Is it strong guys? Very rarely. Women. Why? Because folly... Appeals to their desires. Hey, they're smart. Think about it for a moment. Cigarette commercials in magazines. They always have, have you noticed they don't have beer-bellied, old, grizzly-looking guys with half stubble on their face smoking cigarettes around? Yeah, so, you know, you ever notice it's not those guys? Who are they? Who is it? Attractive young people. Do this and you'll look suave and make lots of money. No, you won't. You'll lose lots of money. How much is it now, a pack? Yes, lots of money. So then here, notice something. The call. Though her invitation may seem attractive, the end result is death. Hey, it's a sweet invitation. But the party is death. All right, let's close our time of prayer.